welcome to Tabletop Game Talk, On Topic, a show where we talk about tabletop gaming topics of all kinds. I'm one of your hosts, Fletcher. I'm Kitty. And I'm Chris. Today we're talking about vacation games. These could be games you bring along with you, or games you find sitting on the shelf of your Airbnb or the closet of your grandma's house. What makes these games good or awful choices for this situation? But first, as always, a thank you to our Patreon friends of the show, Adam Harrison, who I saw at Origins this weekend, and the SGC, whose shirt I was wearing at Origins this weekend. (laughs) And a huge thank you to all of our other patrons as well. (sighs) So I'm back from Origins and exhausted. I think the drive... Six hours is like on the edge of what anyone should ever drive in a day, especially with a grandmother and a baby in the back seat. I've done nine. Yeah, that's too much. But we had a good time. That wasn't even a gra- that was a great grandma and a baby in the back seat for a 9-hour drive. Do I get a medal? No, no medals. <laughs> you get a plaque for being insane. <laughs> I just tried to fly everywhere. <laughs> I was I used to fly to Origins, but now it's not convenient and with three people it is definitely not cheaper. So it's like, okay, we'll drive. It'll be fine. I won't have a problem with it. But I did get to say hi to a number of people. Um, I saw Joe Hoover in the, in, I think he, he came up to me in the hall. And I saw Timothy Gross. And I saw Trevor Davis, which I, um, actually it was kind of, he was next to us when we were playing Keyforge. And he came over and said, hey. And then Ann Reynolds, who we played Arkham Horror, the card game with, for a really long time. And yes, we had a lot of fun. I'm really jealous. I'm really sad I didn't make it to Origins this year. You guys have to come next year. I put all of my eggs into the Gen Con basket to be there for all of the days of Gen Con. Sydney got a new job. July 8th is when she starts. Yep. And we were very concerned because Gen Con is the end of July and she's an accountant and she's there to do month closes and stuff like that. So she called her new boss and said, so, and they got to chit chatting about how well she did in the Keyforge tournament, which she got top eight in the vault tour. She's now ranked. Was, was this the sealed or the Archon? This is or the did sealed. did they do the sealed? Okay. That's what I thought she said. Yep. So sealed. So we got three decks from the new set. You have to pick one, and then if you go five and one or better in the first day, you qualify for the second day. So she qualified for the second day, and then won her first match. Got a buy on the second match because the person that she was supposed to play passed, or uh, not passed, but had to leave. And then the next match, she lost, but she lost against the person who went and beat won the whole tournament. So still made it to top eight, did fantastic. She's like ranked 26 on the Vault Tour top That's awesome. Right so exciting. Yeah. So yay. And I'm so excited for the sealed tournament at Gen Con. Well, I made us or switch our <laughs> Airbnb reservation so that we could be there that morning without having to drive in at like 4 a.m. Yeah, that would be crazy. Yeah. yeah. And well, she was concerned because Gen Con's doing two vault tours. They're doing a sealed on Thursday, Friday, and they're doing a Archon on Saturday, Sunday. And so this new job, so she calls her boss and they get to talking about how, you know, she was playing this game over the weekend and he's in France apparently, uh, but he seems like a really cool guy. The next thing you know, she's like, so yeah, I would really like to go to this convention, but I get if I can only take Friday off or half day on Friday. He's like, no, 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 you, you take the time, you go, you do this, you know, we can do a pseudo month close earlier and you can, we can do it a little bit later. No problem. I think she's going to like this new job. So we are looking forward to playing in both vault tours. Okay, so Chris's computer keeps freezing. <laughs> and every time it does, Fletcher takes a screen capture of the face that it froze on. And I can't keep it together. <laughs> I'm really sorry, listeners. But <laughs> dear, dear listeners, this is hilarious. So can we drop all of these faces into Patreon? Because they're so good. Yeah, it's restarting too quick. <laughs> I don't get the faces. I only got the first one. The first one is very good. The listeners are never going to hear this as a problem, but yeah, it's currently a problem. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we went. The problem now is my giggling. I'm making editing harder. I can't help it, though. (laughs) We went dozens of episodes with not a single internet issue. And the last couple of weeks. And the last week was so bad. Yeah. Because it was both of you, too. All right. We're trying to be better at this. Happy Father's Day to those who people who had fathers. And days. Or our fathers. Or our fathers. 
that's the one that you normally <laughs> tell to celebrate because, you know. Well, I'm new to this whole Father's Day thing. Yeah, it was your first Father's Day this year. First Father's Day. We just did a combination birthday Father's Day thing because Sydney has a birthday, her uncle has a birthday, and then her dad and me, we just did Father's Day slash birthday dinner. So I'm full awesome. on sugar and really, really good to go, ready to make this happen. Um, Excellent. Okay, we have one more thing. I know. We have one more thing to talk about before Kitty takes over the show, which is our Pathfinder Adventure Card Game Core Box Giveaway and Crimson Curse of the Crimson Throne Adventure Card Game. They're the same thing, Curse of the Crimson Ghost Expansion. Sponsored by the Gift of Games in Grays Lake, Illinois, whose app I've been working on all day long because Android is terrible. (laughs) No offense to those who have half of our listeners. Okay, I know, cool. I know. Well, like fifty-five percent of them. But the truth of the matter is, it's actually Java that's the terrible thing. But we're going way off topic. How do you get this Pathfinder Adventure Card Game Core Box plus the Curse of the Crimson Throne game, which is cool? Um, well, you email us. You email us at feedback at tabletopgametalk.com, and you send us a question that we can use in the listener feedback or yeah, listener mail section. Questions that are kind of easily-ish answered in five-ish minutes. Or just send us a bunch of questions and we will filter them if as necessary. If it takes too long, maybe we'll turn it into a topic. Yeah, that's true, too. Feel There's- free to give us meaty questions. Yes. If you ask us our favorite color, if we have to be desperate You'll still for get one. entered, but... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, no. I do not want to see 55 emails of, what's your favorite color? No. Chris is pickier than I am. Yeah. Now, and something he's the al- one who runs the contest, so watch out, listeners. <laughs> something a little bit more in-depth, like, what is your favorite color to play in a game and why? That is a question I wouldn't mind answering. But not here, because no one's asked it. So, oh, well. Now I want to answer it. <laughs> it's a good one. All right, someone, okay. I, I just gave you a free question. Send it in. <laughs> All right, Kitty, this is your topic. These are your notes. Thank you, by the way, for doing these, because I... Just did not have a time. And I think you should just take it from here. So I'm just going to be quiet. And if my audio cuts out, I will pretend like it was totally meant to be that way. (laughs) So I was talking to my mother-in-law, who is now remodeling her house. She has a house on a lake. And she often has guests come stay there. And I was telling her I had some game suggestions for fun games she could put in her house. And... I got like, oh, well, I already have so many games. I have Monopoly and Scrabble and Rummy Cube and like eight (laughs) other games. I was like, oh, sounds well stocked to me. But I thought those are all bad choices. (laughs) (laughs) And I feel safe talking about this because I don't know if she knows how a podcast works. So, So I was thinking, you know, it would be fun to think about you know, this theoretical, like, if I had my vacation home where I was having people stay, if it's an Airbnb or my theoretical lake house or a cabin, and, you know, we all think of those games that were in grandma's closet, those, you know, Monopoly with half of the pieces missing and the ones that you typically found, you know, in your relative's you know, weird, damp basement. Those are the games I think about playing on vacation. The deck of cards where you only had 48 cards and you're trying to slip in pieces of paper the same size and (laughs) pretending like you don't know which cards those are. So what are our hobbyist new games that if you walked into your Airbnb, you walked into maybe even like a fancy hotel, whatever it is, you're on vacation, what game do you want to have with you? Or if you're stocking your place... You're inviting guests in. What would you put on your shelf? That's a tricky one because these are for guests and those are going to be different games than what I would want if I were just hanging out there. Yes. So these are games that are like good for anybody. Anyone like it has appeal. You want to pick it up. You want to play it. All right. So it sounds like you are talking as if there's already a house and there's a closet someplace, and atop of the closet where games are sitting. I think like a shelf. Does a it shelf? matter where the games are? <laughs> a little bit. Because that's like the typical collection is in the t- is a top shelf of a coat closet someplace that nobody ever looks at. 
Right. See, that's not what I'm talking about. That's what it, we all grew up with. Okay. Is you're, it's raining, you're on vacation, and you pull out the game of Scrabble that doesn't have a queue anymore. And it's awful. What if instead it's raining, you're on vacation, and you look on the shelf of your, you know, super fancy hotel that none of us can probably afford to stay in, and look at this. They have a copy of Santorini. What a fun choice instead of Scrabble with three missing letters. Well, it depends on what letters are missing. But I see where you're going. <laughs> All right. If the game is already there, and I'm stalking this mythical Airbnb, because honestly, yes. that's... There's a lot of people that have Airbnbs. All right, Airbnbers, we're talking to you. This is what you stop. <laughs> All right, I do also want to touch uh, briefly on if you're going on vacation and you don't have a cool Airbnb or who listens to our podcast, what you should bring along. Yes. But I yes. do agree with you, Santorini, for sure. N- number two is Century Golem Edition or Golem or Gollum, I don't know. Pick your pronunciation. I don't care. Use either one. I believe either way is correct, depending pronunciation. on... Pronunciation. <laughs> <laughs> tomato. All right. Century Tomato Edition. <laughs> By the way, the third one in the series is out, and I haven't played it yet, but I will play it, and I will let everyone know how it is. And then you can combine it with all the other ones. So if you have all, <coughs> all three versions of Century, you have six different games. So that might be a good combination, too. You can have all three versions of Sentry, which give you six different games. So if learning the rules to one game isn't enough for you, now you can learn the rules to six. But they're all going to be very similar, and you're not going to sure, be sure why. Sometimes it uses... Comp- don't do that. Just get Sentry Golem Edition. I say Golem. I don't know. I do, too. Uh, I agree with that one. That one was also on my list, but I think for that to be successful in this kind of situation, you must have the play map. Because it makes it so much easier to just pick up when you see the empty slots that the cards go into. All right. I got another one for you. Pyramid Arcade. Ooh, I didn't have that on my list. That is a good one. 22 games in one box. And it's really cool to look at. And the games range from super, super simple to pretty heads up thinky. 22 games in one box. And it's really good. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a great choice. It's so colorful. (laughs) <laughs> it's it's a really colorful game. It's really visually appealing. And when you see it on the shelf, you want to take it out. And there's any kind of skill level of game. Something where you can pick up the rules in two minutes. It's practically like tic-tac-toe, but with these really cool pieces. Or all the way up to Homeworlds, which I still cannot figure out for the life of me. There's a new 22-minute video where Andy Looney teaches you how to play Homeworlds in... 22 minutes, which I still think is too much. I think you can learn Homeworlds in like three minutes. It's a three minute video. I'm just saying. I can't. I can't do it. (laughs) You've tried. I I don't know. I got to play a game of it this weekend against Andy Looney, which I failed to beat him again. But now I'm on a mission. Yeah. Sydney's just always going to be better than you at this. I know. And she's better at me than Keyforge now, too. (sighs) All right. Um, those How does are... it feel to be replaced in your own relationship? <laughs> Our new topic for next week. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they say that you should never hire people smart, or you should always hire people smarter than you. Now, it's not that I hired her to be my wife, but I do think that you should <laughs> hang out with people who are smarter than you as well because they will elevate your your levelness. So, I I am honored to have a wife who is so much better at everything than I am. Huh. All right. Well, I'm over here. Um, Fletcher, what do you think is good games on vacation? So when I travel, I usually travel to the beach. And when I go to the beach, I bring one game. And that game is Big Boggle. Ooh. And Big- the reason that I... Yeah, it's like... Have you ever played Boggle? Yeah, that's the one with like four by four letter dice and you have to right, make but words so out of Big it. So Big Boggle is five by yep. five. Okay. So it's Big Boggle, but Boggle works too. But the reason that I bring that game... Is because it's really robust. It, it essentially like it comes in its own carrying case, kind of a thing. Um, you won't ever miss any letters or cubes or anything like that. And uh, all you need are is like pens and paper, which is easily replaceable, and it's not a big deal if you lose them or whatever. So, and on the beach or whatever, doesn't matter if you get a little sand on it, you get a little water, you're not going to lose anything. It's to me, it's like the perfect travel game. That is a great one, if you like word games, which yeah. is like Chris's least favorite category of games. I, 
I hate Scrabble, but I do like Boggle. I like Boggle because, as I recall, the way you score Boggle is if somebody else has the same word, you cross it out. So yeah, you, it's bo- not you both about- don't get yeah, the credit for it. Yeah, it's not about spelling. It's about creativity. It's about creativity trying to come up with as many patterns as you can. And, of course, like, word length matters. But, like, it is, like, creativity. And it's about kind of, like, vocabulary, I guess, a little bit. And a little bit about spelling because you do have to spell the word correctly. Yeah, but it's not as much on the placement of, oh, if I get an X and I can place it on this triple letter letter score... I'm going to win every single time, and I just need to remember every two-letter word containing X, J, and Q so that I can game this system. It's more about the actual words that you can come up with. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm not good at coming up with words. We already know that. (laughs) And if I do come up with them, I'm not good at spelling them right. So... It's easier to spell the word when you have, like, when you see, like, all the tiles there and... Also with Boggle, I don't think you get penalized if you have a made-up word. You just don't get points for it. You just don't get points for it, yeah. And it's not like you're revealing tiles to, like, your opponents. Like, I have... Everyone has the same stuff in the middle. So you could just keep making up words. And maybe some of them will really be words that nobody else would have thought of. Because you're very creative and you're making up words. Yeah, I mean, I guess I was... The last time I played Boggle was when I was a kid. My mom really liked it. But... I was never good at it, and she was great at it. So it was a matter of like, um, yeah, because she's adult. She's an yeah. adult, and you're ten. So you're Although like, another game from my childhood, which I actually didn't mind, and we called it ones and fives, but apparently it's called Fickle, not Fickle, uh, Farkle. If oh, oh yeah, Farkle, yeah. yeah. Which I that's a really good game to like bring with you anywhere as well because it's super easy to learn. It's all luck. It's I mean. It, yeah, it's all luck. And anyone can feel like they're good at it. And you can play that with like a four-year-old and they know what's going on. Because That's was one four. of the first games that I had a program was Farkle. And it was not fun. <laughs> <laughs> no game you have to write is still a game you want to play at the end of it. Yeah. And by write, we mean program into an actual... Yeah. It's just... Yeah. The only one I ever had to do was Roulette. Roulette's not... That one... Yeah. But you didn't want to play Roulette at the beginning anyway. It's true. Yeah. It's not really a thing you play. No. So much as an activity you watch. I will say yeah. and lose money while you watch. <laughs> I will say really programming call it like a game. <laughs> yeah. I will say programming blackjack is actually not too bad and that's something I use to teach people how to program cuz programming games is still fun and I can teach you how to play program blackjack in like 2 hours. So, that one's not so bad cuz it doesn't wear on you as much. The only I remember Writing roulette, and I remember writing a um, tortoise in the hair race program. Did we just go into a different topic? We yeah, did. Yeah, I think we did. <laughs> Back on topic. My next suggestion for a Tabletop game, game that talk. should Off be... Topic. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have that um, one of these days. Every home that you go into should have this. This is the best game to just pull out. Easy to play. Easy to learn. Everyone has fun catchphrase i was just that's not even in your oh it is in your notes it is but, in my yeah. notes but i 100 stealing my notes you're just going from the top or the bottom up of my notes. <laughs> no but i 100 percent agree to this especially the digital version of it because it is so is it's there just, a non-digital version uh there used to be yes oh but, boy you're old <laughs> <laughs> but it's just this little it's it's a digital thing that has words that come up and it is all in one you pass it around you play in teams it's a party game I love catchphrase. I'm not a huge fan of party games in general, but I love this one. And it comes in like 57 different versions. And all of them are essentially the same thing with just different words. But it's electronic. But there's such a variety of words that everyone can get it. Because I was playing monikers. Can we back up and talk about how you played catchphrase? Because I don't think I've ever played catchphrase. What? What? Yeah. <laughs> all right, it like Katie, taboo? it's on It's easier than that. Yeah, but much easier. You're on Teams. There's a little digital screen and it gives you a word and you are allowed to say anything except exactly that word. And you can't do rhymes like sounds like schmaith schmill. You know, you can't do that. But that's it. And then you're trying to get your teammates to guess it. And 
whoever gets the most words, their team wins. Okay. Yeah. And so you it, sit is, in, it is like taboo, but easier. Yeah. And you sit yes. in alternating team order. So the people that are sitting on the left and right of you are the other team. And they know so the they're word. they're looking over your shoulder and snickering. Yep. And you're trying to get as many as you can before time runs out. So it's kind of like hot potato taboo, sort of. But you're, you're just trying to get as many points as yeah, you can. Because you're like passing the thing around. Got it. So everyone gets a turn to be the clue giver. It's fun. Yeah, I think it's been replaced a little bit with the app Heads Up. Yeah. But honestly, I think Heads Up, sometimes the categories on that can be really narrow. Um, I don't think there's, from what I remember playing, it was like, we went through the general category and like got a lot of repeats of words that you don't get on catchphrase. I think that catchphrase is in some ways better than Heads Up because you can't... Also, like, you know, if somebody's like, I really want to play the 80s songs deck, everyone <laughs> is going to do, and they can give the hints, but everyone is just staring at them while they sing Annie Lennox and nobody else knows that song. Yes. Story of my life. <laughs> that can be worse. <laughs> Catchphrase, there's there's always something that everyone's going to get. All right. Back to you, Fletcher. Um. Well, so, I mean, I already said Boggle, but... <laughs> <laughs> You said huge boggles. So now you're saying normal size boggle. Yeah. So there's big boggle and then there's normal size boggle. Is there so also then I'm going to go with travel boggle. <laughs> <laughs> no. For me, for, like, I don't know. I just think of like really durable games that can like stand up against snow or sand or anything like that. So anything like, I don't know, like categories or taboo or like catchphrase, like those to me are like the perfect travel games because they're small and. And you're not going to break them or lose pieces easily. Yeah. What about the travel games that are like the actual branded travel games? Are no, those because I remember playing like travel chess and travel like checkers and a little tiny thing. And you now you just have a million pieces that you're going to lose. But they all have magnets on there so you can swallow them and they can stick together in your intestines. <laughs> or just bring, you know, just bring a deck of cards. There's so many games that you can play with a deck of cards. Waterproof plastic ones. Yeah. Those and are it's if you they're ruin a impossible deck of, to shuffle. Yeah, that's true. Well, I mean, you can just, just bring if you a ruin regular a deck of cards. One. It's not you a big throw deal. it out. Bring three decks of cards. It takes up a small amount of space. You can play a million games, and if one of them gets wrecked, you just pull out the next one. <laughs> then you build card houses with it. Yeah. Yes. Oh, we did a lot of that when I was on vacations too. See how tall you could build things. Ah, uh, takes me back to being right. a kid. What's your next suggestion? So a lot of these, if I'm going to stock an Airbnb, they're going to be very, very similar to my kind of always happy to pull off the shelf type of things. So yeah. Splendor would be on this, which is another one on your list, but we've been hanging out I'm for I'm sorry too long. I made such a good list. I know. <laughs> that Splendor's you just keep stealing it. <laughs> yeah, but Splendor's super easy to learn. And the tactile feel, the chips, like that's really what makes Splendor what it is. If it was just use little wooden cubes, Splendor wouldn't be nearly as interesting. It'd be yeah. the exact same game, but there's something to the presentation there that just makes it like cool to play. So I would say something like that. Um, there's a couple others that probably nobody's heard of. I kind of really like Temporum as that game that sits there that nobody, everyone's interested in, but nobody really wants to grab it because it looks like it's too complex, but as soon as you figure it out, it's like, oh, this isn't hard at all. I think I really like this game. That is a really fun one. We've played that a lot. But that um, one has to be sitting there already because you can't really... That one's, that's not a travel game since it has an yeah, actual big it, board. Yeah. All right. So my travel with you game, and I like you can put this in your bag. You can play it super easy. Also, you could play it at a place, have it there, is a roll and write. And there's so many good ones. Um, Railroad Inc. or Second Chance are both ones that came to mind. Um, you've been touting Ganshan Clever. Not which just I me. have no idea how to spell it. <laughs> I know. The world has been touting it, but I haven't played it yet. But I put it on the list because it seems like the same kind of theme. So, so these roll and rights are great because they can play, almost all of them can play as many people as you want a lot of them have pads of paper instead of dry erase boards i kind of like that better in a way for this kind of thing because the dry erase boards can limit the player count well and the cool thing with pads of paper is you can leave them in the box so if you're going to an airbnb and you go and you're playing ganshan clever and you see like 17 sheets of paper of previous games you're like 
oh, this game has some life to it. Other people have been here. Other people have played this. And it really only has six dice in it and a bunch of sheets of paper. Like, that's the whole game. Uh, but I like yeah, the I idea like of the winner signing it in their Airbnb. Like, put it up on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good idea. Now, now I just want to do an Airbnb just right? so I can I be like a gamer's Airbnb. Airbnb. <laughs> I had so much fun watching that Netflix show about Airbnbs. So... There's a Netflix show on Airbnbs? Yeah. There's two Netflix shows on Airbnbs, and they're both super fun to watch. <laughs> All right. That's what actually made me get an Airbnb for Gen Con. Yeah. Like, this is so fun. I am I'm have the best hopes for you, because I'm going to be at the JW and in a <laughs> the 500... The Marriott? Yep. It's connected to the convention center. It has one of the largest ballrooms in Indianapolis that's open gaming 24-7 and will just be there whenever we're not in the con. So you can come hang out with us if you want, though. Yeah, because my uh, Airbnb has two bedrooms, a kitchen, a coffee table, is a 15-minute Uber ride. And even if I Uber there four times a day, I'm still spending half the price (laughs) that you are at that hotel. (laughs) Fine. Whatever. All right, next game. I don't I don't even know if I should ask you, Fletcher. Have you thought of anything else? Have we given you enough time? <laughs> uh, Just give us like sorry or the game of life. Sorry. <laughs> Uno. Actually, Uno, Uno's any not d- a base card game. Yeah. Uno's actually not a bad one to have because especially if you're playing with families and young kids, it's a very easy game to to learn and play, and everyone just kind of knows. Uh, I would rather bring, like, Neil Bourne. Oh, that's a good one, too. Because... Spencer's always going, I still haven't played it. We have, like, a cool vintage copy that I have yet to play. I... Oh. Well... What is that game? Yeah, how do you play this game? (laughs) So, it's a race to, I think, the first... There's two finish lines. There's, like, a finish line, if I remember correctly. There's a finish line at, like, 800 kilometers, and then, like, a um a thousand kilometers and what you have is it's a deck that you shuffle and then you grab you grab these cards and what you need is to hit exactly 800 kilometers you put down these cards that are like miles traveled um but there's also hazards along the way that you can play in other people's play area so there's like a there's like a red light stop and that person can't play any miles until they get a green light for go so they're just like stopped um, there's also like out of gas, um, you got into a wreck, a flat tire, um, and these are hazards that you can play and it stops the other person from playing any miles until they draw a card that allows them to fix the hazard and then they can t- continue to go. And then there's four super car, super cards that allow you to say like, now I have uh, like, um, puncture proof tires. So you can put down like puncture proof tires and now you're impervious to like, uh, getting flat tires from for the rest of the game, and you have to hit exactly like 800 uh, kilometers. And the miles come in like 20, or not the miles, but they come in like increments of like 25, 50, 75, 100, and then I think like 200. But there's very few like 200 cards, um, and you need to hit, and you need to hit 800. And then the first person to hit 800 can decide if they want to continue on to hit 1,000. And obviously, like, you might not be able to hit 1,000. You might be, you know, out of gas or, like, someone else could, like, overtake you and they, like, score more points. So It's a really fun game. When's the last time you played this game? Oh, I don't know. Long time ago. Because I'm pretty impressed with the thoroughness of the description for a game you haven't played in the last (laughs) decade or so. So I I used to play this game game all the time. I played this game all the time when I was younger. I haven't played it in, like, 10 years, but I played it constantly when I was younger. You know, the gift of games has it, and every time I walk in there, I see it. I'm like, oh, yeah, I should get this, because everyone keeps talking about it. And I think eventually I'm just going to have to get it, because everyone keeps talking about it. I would like you guys to play Guess the Publication Date on this one. <laughs> Milborn, uh, uh, 73. I was going to guess, like, 62. 54. 1954, this yeah. game was first published. And it probably hasn't changed since then. Not much, at least. Interesting. Yeah, it's one of my. It, it, I don't know. It's cool. It's vintage. Not a lot of people have played it, and it's super easy to learn. Like once you just, it's it's just a few simple mechanics. It has like a decent amount of like luck versus kind of skill. Um, I don't know. 
It's one of my favorite games. So this one doesn't go back as far as the 50s. goes back to 1985. <laughs> and this is a game I did not know about, and no one else will probably have ever heard of this game, until about, I've, I found out about this about an hour and a half ago. So <laughs> I mentioned we were doing a group Father's Day birthday thing. Well, Sydney's aunt brought over some old games to contribute to our collection. Thank you. Um, so Scrabble came out and uh, Yahtzee came out and there was a... Oh, your favorite. I know, they're great games. Um, but one of them was a game called Flip Out. And it has someone who looks like... Uh, it, it's sort of a bow tie tuxedo with a cowboy hat. And he's flipping a die. It looks like a die that says flip out on one side. And there's a one and a three on the picture. Um, but it actually turns out that this there's a one, a three, a five, a seven, an, and a nine. And a flip out size. So there's six different sides of this thing. And the, it's not a square die. It is oblong shaped. And it's a little bit oversized. And the rules basically say you put this thing on the table. And part of it's going to overhang the end of the table. And you have to flip the cube up and down and whatever number lands up you're going to potentially score that many points and you can this keep it's terrifying it isn't he yeah flip out Larry 1985 Hagman presents <laughs> <laughs> so you if you flip flip out then you lose all the points you got otherwise you just you can bank your points and say okay i got 3 points i'm good i pass and the next person goes on and you keep doing this until someone scores 21 or more points and then everyone else gets one more turn after that person who scored 21 or more points wins and that's the entire game it is a it is a flip and write game and it looks absurd and i want to just hate the concept of it so very much but it's essentially flippy cup as a roll and write it is exactly flippy cup as a roll and write and there are like the the numbers you'd want the nine, which is the number you would want, is on the smallest, the hardest to get side. And like, there's some strategy in how you could flip it to try to get the right number. It sounds like a terrible game, but I sort of would play it. Um, I don't know if it's still in publication. It can't be in in the form that it currently exists. But yeah, that that would work as putting that in an Airbnb and people like, what is this? And the instructions are just, they're perfect. They're perfect 1980s board game instructions. It has a rating of four <laughs> on BGG. <laughs> that's probably be, oh. that, that was probably being generous. <laughs> well, the thing is, so BGG is on a bell curve as well. So you'll never see a rating of like nine or ten once it gets, it gets enough to be officially rated. Fours are incredibly rare. Monopoly is the worst rated on BGG. And I don't I think Monopoly is only like a three or something. Kitty is looking it up furiously now. I yeah. am. I'm curious. It has a 4.4. This is worse rated yeah. than Monopoly. This, this is a 4.1. Do- it probably doesn't have enough ratings to actually like rank as a a officially ranked game. Because there's a lot of ones and tens, but there's only like five ratings, so they don't count those. But yeah, so flip out. Don't don't put that in your cabin. <laughs> Here's a game I'm going to talk about. Well, this that is a don't good want to bring. Segue. I did also want to talk about what is the worst game to have because I will put Monopoly on that list, and that is the one that I find in every place that I have ever stayed. Is like, oh, let's go play a game, and everyone pulls out the Monopoly that has like 18 crumpled bills, no rules anymore. The board is dinged. There's no thimble. I mean, it's awful. So I would actually use it for sewing. I would say in a way that's like one of the best games, because even though that's the copy, everyone still knows how to play it correctly. Yeah, I would have... sort of. Well, yeah. Everyone everyone knows how to play it the same Uh, wrong way. Yeah, the same wrong way, yes. I'd have to agree, though. I do not think Monopoly is the worst game you can find in a cupboard. Because, again, you're going to know it. Probably, for me, something like Axis and Allies would be the worst thing <laughs> because it's like okay even if you're interested in it if you've never played it before you're still never going to play it after you leave because you can't figure out that game in the amount of time that would allow <laughs> i don't know how long you're spending here but i hope it's a month <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so yeah i i something and again we could find flip out sure but even Flip Out would actually be a pretty entertaining game, if even only for an evening. But uh, 
I just imagine so many things getting broken because it's not a light thing. It's not made of rubber. It's made of hard plastic. I will point out that the box specifically says this is a game for adults. This is not for children. Tell you what. Why don't you have a six to 10 year old watching adults flip a die on a table and not want to play? I think that's actually the real game there. How do we play this without waking up the kids or making them want to come over and do this? This is such a weird looking game. He looks so intense, this guy. Wait. He's very scary. Post the link because I can't find it. Oh, there you go. <laughs> All right, All Fletcher, right, um, what is your worst game and the game that you don't want to find on vacation? I don't know. Warhammer? Something like that. <laughs> Somebody just left their entire two thousand dollars. Yeah, set. they're like, you know what? I'm done with this. this is, <laughs> I, even though this is four thousand dollars worth of worth of miniatures, good luck trying to do anything with it. It's now the doorstop. Yeah, <laughs> that also qualifies as the worst game to travel with. Yes, especially back yeah, in the I days where they were all pewter. Anything we talked about last week on our huge games episode. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, this guy's creepy. Right? (laughs) (laughs) You guys are making great radio. So we're going to put a link in the show notes, and probably not. But just search Flip Out 1985, and you will will see it. It'll be... And then you will flip out as well. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to bring this game back somehow. Okay, so my real suggestion, though, is Pass the Pigs. This game looks like it should be so much more fun than it is. And I remember having a lot of fun with this game as a small child and then as an adult being like, wait, that's it? And it's the kind of game where you would see it on a shelf, you'd pull it out, and you go, oh, this will be fun. And then two minutes later, you're like, I'm never pulling out another game off of this shelf again because it was a lie shelf. It looks like fun, but it's not fun. <laughs> it's a lie shelf. <laughs> um, all right. Fine, I'll give you past the pigs. But all right, so past the pigs for those who have never played it, you have it's not a, a good game. No, it's not. It's not. <laughs> you have a pair of pink plastic pigs, and you roll these pigs like they were dice, and they will land in various situations, like on their feet or on their back or tilted forward on their snout and their front two paws, and you get points for the combinations that they land in, if I recall correctly. And you can still get this game today. You can go to any Target and find this game. It'll be right next to LCR, which is certainly worse than Pass the Pigs. That's true. (laughs) I put that in the same category. I also, I don't know how I feel about, like, you know, Blank the Dice Game, like Settlers of Catan, the Dice Game, or Apples to Apples, the Dice Game. There's, like, these Dice Game versions of a lot of popular board games that feel like they should be fun, but are more just kind of playing on the brand name of their more popular counterpart. A lot of them are potentially that. But I will say Bang the Dice Game is a better version of Bang, in my opinion. And it's a smaller, slightly smaller. Bang's not that big of a game either. But um, Bang the Dice Game is good if you want a nice mechanical social deduction game. Um, More mechanics than accusing people of lying type of thing. So that one I would bring. Uh, there's got to be a couple other the dice games that I really like. Nope. Well, just let bang. me know when you think of them next year. <laughs> <laughs> just bang. Just bang the dice game. That reminded me, though, of another game that I want to add to the list, but I couldn't think of its name. We played this at GameholeCon last year, and everyone has the picture cards, and there's a concept that... Guess Everyone who? but one person knows. <laughs> Burke's Gambit. No. No? No. Well, they're like I'm going to stand with Burke's Gambit as a great travel and vacation game, but continue with your everyone has a picture card. So there's it's like a guessing word game where one person has like the word and they share it with everyone except one person. There's like little notepads that they write down the thing oh, on. Oh, you're thinking um <sighs> I'm saying Spy Club in my head, but it's not that. It is Detective Detective something. (sighs) This is going to kill me. You and Sydney picked it up in Essen. Yes. And it is great. I can remember everything about this game except its name. And it is... (laughs) Um, Yeah. Making more great radio here. (laughs) It might be Detective Club. It is Detective Club. It is Detective Club, yeah. Yeah. So Detective Club. 
I detected my way to this name. <laughs> um, it's a really fun game. And so one person has the word. They write it on these notepads. And everyone else gets them. And one of them is blank. So you don't know. And everyone plays a card fitting in with this concept. So and you still have to play a card, even if you don't know what it yeah. is. It's, the cards, though, have artwork in the Dixit style of artwork. So everything's very abstract. There, there's like something for everything on a card. So if you know, the word can be something as simple as fluffy. And it's like, oh, I played this one because it has a cloud. And you see like, you know, a cloud go down and snow and somebody else puts something and you think, oh, it's white. So you put down like a chess piece and they're like, oh, no, you were wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you're uh, the person who doesn't know. But then yeah. you get a chance to defend yourself. And sometimes you can be like, well, you don't know what other cards. I, you don't know what art I have in my hand here. I'm working with limited. A chess piece was the softest thing I had. <laughs> so and yeah, so it's kind of cool because you're, you're going to eventually play two cards and you will ner- know the word before you have to defend yourself. But now you have to retroactively come up with why you played this card for this word you didn't know before yeah i would say detect detective club's a great one especially if you like dixit or and if you like dixit and social deduction but you don't want to be so like werewolfy this is a really good game um insider too i put this kind of in the same category of insider where it's social deductiony but you have enough to talk about that you never feel like ah, i'm being targeted or I'm just randomly pointing my finger in a direction. There's there's something going on. And Burke's Gambit also was really fun at GameholeCon that we played the same weekend. Yeah. And all of these are Another small one. box games that are very easy to very easy to learn the rules to, very easy to play in medium to large groups. Burke's Gambit, I don't know if it's as good. It's a little bit harder to learn, a little bit more complex. Somebody needs to know how to play to teach it. Because if you're just learning it, everyone's learning it cold, it can be a tricky one. But if, you, if somebody already knows, you can teach it. And it only takes about one... Well, it takes one game before everyone's like, okay, I get it. Let's play again. I'm really uh, excited to start up our board game or Airbnb business. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what the market of that is. Come, it's just take us. A, yeah. <laughs> take a vacation. <laughs> On your own little personal convention at our Airbnb, where we'll stock it with all of the greatest moderately weighted board games to like. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, this stuff just writes itself. All right. Any other great travel games or terrible travel games that we should mention? I don't think so. I mean, I'm thinking we, there definitely are. I mean, there are. Yeah. I mean, like, I could keep going on and on, but I don't just know. anything with lots of pieces, obviously. Yeah. But. I should probably mention in my dreams or my head or something. I <laughs> wait, what? I thought that I had put a thread on BGG to input this because this would have been good to get games that would have qualified here. And then when but I went to the, get all the feedback, because I thought Kitty didn't do it. Oh, when you went to go, <laughs> I was going to say you thought I didn't do my job. <laughs> so that I'm looking and I'm like, oh, I did not do this. So I'm wondering if I typed it up and didn't hit, didn't hit submit. Or I, I I feel, yeah. Maybe it was just a dream. I think it was just a dream. I do that all the time. The worst thing, though, is when you think you found something, but it turns out it was just a dream that you found the thing in, and the thing is still lost. Oh, It's a bad that's, feeling. That's really sad. <laughs> I do it all the time. Probably because I lose things all the time. <laughs> they always turn up eventually. Yeah. I, uh... Except that one t-shirt. I just blame the fact that I really, really, and you know, we say this periodically, and I, I try not to use this as an excuse, but I'm really not getting a ton of sleep, and it messes with your brain. It does. And things I think I did, I didn't do. And then Trevor asked me at, at Origins this week, and he's like, how do you do all the stuff that you do? Cause you, and I'm like, I have no idea. I don't I recall don't most of it. <laughs> <laughs> so, Yeah. So I'm trying to delegate a little bit more. Kitty's helped me out a ton on the news and on editing other things. So that's good. But so yeah. much editing now that I do. It's fun. I'm surprised sort I'm of. not editing this. I Don't, will do. I can't. I'll, no. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make eye contact. <laughs> I got this one. I got this. It's good. Although I will apologize for there's going to be a couple edits that I'm not going to be able to fix. And you're just going to sound like I asked the same question twice to Fletcher. And that's just what happened. So there, there deal with it. Okay, listener mail. 
Um, Katie, you go first. Should oh, I go first? Okay. Yes. Okay. All right. I've got some feedback from Joe on BGG about huge games. And he says he's with me. These games do not appeal to me at all. I couldn't tell you a thing about gameplay of most of these games, although I gather that most of the gameplay involves battling, dungeon crawling, or some such. I went in with friends to back Dark Souls and was very disappointed. I love the video game, but it just didn't translate well to board game. The grinding just doesn't work well. I will admit that the boss fights were interesting, though, but I never progressed far enough to be able to get to the bosses on the board game. Give me complex euros any day. I love to play the Gallerist or Lisboa or any, how do we say it, 1800s? A- 18XX. 18X. Literally. 18XX. Yeah. It's a series of games all set in the 1800s. They're railroad games, right? Railroad, railroad and stock trading. Yeah. I've seen them so many times, but I never hear people say them out loud. Merely see it written. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Castles of Burgundy, Great Western Trail, Terra Mystica, Gaia Project. All these games are much more fun. And cheaper. Some of them are cheaper. I would, yeah. Terra Mystica and Gaia Project are a little pricey, but they're not bad. Lisboa and compared Gallerist, to like four hundred dollar Kickstarter yes. all in. Yeah. I would say all of these <laughs> are under a hundred dollars. Yeah. 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 I mean, they're these big games. A lot of them are dungeon crawly or battles. They they're not those strategic. They're you're usually not gathering points. But I will say there's. A category that is being missed here. So battles, dungeon crawling, or some such. Story games of that size are still not... I I wouldn't put them under dungeon crawls. Like, I don't know if Gloomhaven... Most people would not think of Gloomhaven as a dungeon crawl. I don't think it's a pure story game, but most people will describe Gloomhaven as more of a Euro game than a dungeon crawl game. It is a puzzle to solve. It is not like going around and rolling dice to do damage you're you're yeah. hesitant well i mean in some ways you are literally crawling through a dungeon <laughs> <laughs> but i understand what you mean by the the card play aspect really takes a lot of the randomness that you think of in a traditional dungeon crawl you usually have you know this is my strength i'm adding points to this die roll to get through here it's very D mechanics based um without the complexity or fun of D&D, I think. Yeah. Um, whereas Gloomhaven has added a completely different combat mechanic, which feels very fun and different, but it does still feel, you know, dungeon crawly, battley in certain ways. It's more calculable. And the the random element is something that can be tweaked because it's you basically have a, a deck of cards and you know what the distribution of the cards are and you can change those distributions as your character levels. So you have control over those random elements. Um, but yeah, and but otherwise, I don't really disagree that a lot of these big games are just dice chuckers. Although, I would say Seventh Continent is the complete opposite of all of that. And it's it's just a really big... It's just a ton of cards, man. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is. And it's so that's unique. Like, it's, a, it's really unique. It, it does not fit in. It's like one of these things is not like the others of yeah. this... All right, so Eric also has a comment on big box games, and he says he does I like them. I think all of our feedback is on big box games. Get Good. ready. <laughs> <laughs> he says, I know all the extras they give you most of the time are unnecessary, but that's the hook in many of them, and they get me with it. Some of the reason I like them, I think, is that many of them are straightforward games, once I don't have to rack my brain with deep strategies. Sometimes I just simply want to roll dice and kill stuff. I have noticed when I look at a game now, I look at how much space it will take up. The storage, though, like you said, is a pain. And I have some in shipping boxes still in another part of the house. I also have done the same thing. Some have been seen to play, but others, nope. Once I finally find a halfway decent place for them, it is hard to drag it all out, of, out for setup. I was thinking of putting them on top of the shelves like art on display and hope that they may make it to the table more. But they are so dang big. Yeah, I... I have to agree with all of this. And he also mentions, he's like, uh, I don't know if I can add anything else here as I get big games, but I do like them. Even I have to start stacking them like Jenga Tower style. I, I've had <laughs> many stacks of games that go to six feet plus. Can we play Jenga with actual boxes of board games? Can we do that? It's kind of meta. Do we have a new Gen Con event? <laughs> Come, pull, pull the game sure that you want to take. Keyforge Jenga. Oh, you could, yeah, you could definitely do that. Stack those all up. That'd be awesome, actually. 
Hmm. I don't know if they make the right shape. You would have to put them not flat. You'd put them on their edge. So it'd be like five card, five five decks by five decks blocks. Huh. See it? You see it in your head? Yeah. You'd pull one out and the whole, <laughs> that would be the end of the game. <laughs> the end. <laughs> oh, I'm going to put together because I have enough Keyforge decks. I'm going to put a, a five oh high. Oh my God, you're crazy. No, a six <laughs> high tower of Keyforge decks and play Jenga with it. It'll be awesome. Um. But yeah, I like that idea. Jed cut us to stack up all the games and you can come and take whatever game you want unless the tower falls. And then you just then have you to have clean to everything take out. All of them home with you. <laughs> that would be a curse. That would not be nice. Um, but no, I do find that with the bigger games, once I find a good storage solution, I put them away and I'm just like, all right, I never want to touch this again because now it's nicely <laughs> stored. So and I've and what I realize is I take that a step further and say, if it's still in shrink wrap, it's perfectly stored. So I just won't open it and it'll be perfect. Just be perfect forever. Yeah. All right. What Bonnie have to say? Okay. So Bonnie says, I think Chris could get in get into the gallerist, Lisboa, etc. But he'd have He'd have some. He'd have to have someone teach him. Teach. Oh my god! I'm gonna start over. <laughs> I, I think Chris could get into the gallerist, Lisboa, etc. But he ha- He'd have to have someone teach it to him instead of reading a rule book. Yes. Thing about these games is, as Kitty said, Castles of Burgundy is the gameplay is good. It looks more like. It looks more. Like, it looks like more than it is. <laughs> it looks like more than it is. Is it just me or is this written kind of funny? <laughs> it's just you. It's just me. All right. <clears throat> there are fiddly parts, but the actual turn actions are very simple. It's the strat that makes these actions meaningful in the end. Yes. And and I think when I'm learning these games, if someone's teaching it to me, I will enjoy them unless someone's trying to teach me the whole game. And the people who really I love, know better. <laughs> Well, the people who really love I these games... I need to start learning these games. ...love these games. And and they want to teach the entire rule set because for them, in order to play to, opti- to an optimal amount, you have to know all the rules. I don't want to know the rules. I want to know what are my actions because I don't care how I win. I want to know how I play. I think that that is the rules. Teaching They don't want to teach you the rules. They want to teach you everything. And that's it. If you're just getting the rules, you'll be able to figure it out on your own. And so something like Castles of Burgundy, I know, so I can talk about this one. There are all these little tiles that come up and they each have little symbols on them. And I never remember what they are, but there's an index at the end of the game that, you know, when that comes up, you all look at it and you learn them over time. And if you try to tell somebody at the beginning of the game when you were teaching them the rules, what each one of these tiles comes up as and expect them to remember it 40 minutes later without, you know, referencing the book or whatever it is, they're never, it's done. Not going to happen. You have to learn as you go with these games. Yeah. Well, it also helps too, because actually I don't remember which podcast I learned heard this on. It might have been the Dice Tower. Um, comparing the Gallerist and Lisboa, because it was designed by the same person, and how which one is more complicated to learn. And the general consensus by the designer was that Lisboa was easier to learn because there's less things you do there. And the counterpoint was, no, the gallerist is easier to learn because what you do there makes more thematic sense. You're trying to get people into your gallery and get art and make the art successful by you know promoting the artist and that type of thing. So what you do in that game makes more sense. Where with Lisboa, yes, there's less actions, but why you're doing them isn't as apparent. So Lisboa, I, I played a demo of it. I never, ever, ever want to learn how to play that game. <laughs> it was... It makes me want to learn it so much more. It was excruciating. And I had no idea what was going on. The Gallerist I own, and I do want to play that game. And I've watched a couple how to plays on it, and it looks really interesting. Because like thematically, I'm like, all right, I can see what's going on there. Lisboa, I'm like, wait, What's flooding or burning or why am I caring about what's I just don't know. And I don't want to. Um, I'm sure the gameplay is great. Put a space theme on it and I'll take a second look. <laughs> Reskin it. Yes. All right. No offense to those who love Lisboa. I know that it's people do love it. So um, I think that's that's good. Let's let's end it there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really excited to explore my uh, just for Chris space version line of games. We can make all kinds of games. 
most space games are not actually that good. But if but you, you have, play them. Yeah, well, if you have a boring Euro, <laughs> I think, I mean, and not a boring Euro. If you have a great Euro game with a brown and beige theme, retheme it to space, and I'm much more likely to want to play it. I will give it that. But you've lost me. Fine. Well, I, pff, you'll play my <laughs> space games. If you bring it to the table. I never buy space games. Ah, space never. games are the best. I have the- never bought a space game. Actually, I say space games are the best because I want them to be. I'm designing a space game, though. <laughs> there's not a lot of good that's space a lie. games. I do like the captain is dead, but yeah. I don't know if that's really spacey or Star Trekky. You oh. know, that's a good point. We didn't cover a single cooperative game. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, when you're on vacation, you should always be fighting with your family. Um, the captain is dead is a terrible one though. So <laughs> many you're rules, gonna fight so with many your family. fiddly bits. You're totally gonna fight with. Ed. Yeah, that's the real thing. Is like, do you want to be fighting with your family about who won, or do you want to be fighting with your family about why none of you won? <laughs> yep. Did you yep. see that article I sent? I saw the yeah. I, oh, I want to cover it on the news. Let's talk about that okay. one post credits. Okay. All right. Stay tuned after the credits. So for those of you who don't know, we. Usually chat after the credits. So um, we're actually going to chat about something after the credits. I'm going to remind people, The Gift of Games in Grays Lake, Illinois is sponsoring our Pathfinder Adventure card game core box and Curse of the Crimson Thorn giveaway. This is the new the new Pathfinder Adventure card game, uh, kind of a reboot. And it's going to be awesome. How you enter, email us, feedback at feedback at tabletopgamedoc.com. Send us a question. Um, and actually right now you can also send us ideas for vacation board games because I want those as well. And let's see, Gen Con, we're going to be there. Our live show is Friday at 8 p.m. Show up. It'll be great. Um, do, 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 do. I think that that is good. Um, I already been back from Origins, so I don't need to talk about that. And you can follow us on Facebook at tabletopgametalk.com. No, you can't. You can follow us on Facebook at Tabletop Game Talk Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter <laughs> at Tabletop Game TLK. Kitty is Lawful Good Mom. Fletcher is Net Fletch. I am Game Master Chris. I apologize for all editing issues in this episode and thank our patrons for tolerating us. Um, if you want to be a patron, go to tabletopgametalk.com slash Patreon. Tabletop Game Talk is a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Thanks for listening, and remember, we love your feedback. So email us with comments or questions about today's topic at feedback at tabletopgametalk.com. Finally, a huge thank you to our patrons. Adam Harrison, the SGC, Jason Strong, Terrence Miltner, Stephen Seitz, Michael Ohl, Brian Arnold, Sean P. Kelly, C. Marie, Rudy Liu, Benjamin Hamowitz, Jerry Huang, Stephen Phillips, Caleb O'Brien, Jennifer Engelbrecht, Justin Willard, Christopher Dong, Jason Marks. Jeremy Fisher. David Ratke, Nick Kukstra, David Sellers, Jason Rodney, Michael Yanikowski, Miles Clark, Cindy Lum, Phil Swartzel, Ann Reynolds, Eric Hoffman, Adrian Dong, Christopher Vincent, Nate Fassbinsome, Sean Peck, Eric Zelander. Mike Smith, Trevor Davis, Tim Vernig, Chris Lowe, Joe Hoover, Timothy Gross, Glenn Cotter, Jesse Wolkowiak, Emil Jewel Jacobson, Marina Stevens, Brady Meltzer, Gregory Huber, Don Gilstrap, Stephen Judd, Leanne Vilt. Leanne Verholst. Verholst? Chris needs to stop giving me this one. Verholst? <laughs> Christopher Letko and John Lewis. Until next week, keep playing games and having fun. All right, this article titled, Why Board Games Brings Out the Worst in Us. When typing into Google, I had to type like so many. (laughs) Okay, let me just read this quote. So Tim Vernig, actually one of our um, patrons, posted this on Twitter. And was like, what? Here's the quote that I really enjoyed. Play a game that requires little strategy. Nearly all arguments happen in games with a highly complicated rule, like Monopoly and Scrabble. Simple games (laughs) have better outcomes. Almost no one fights over apples to apples or cards against humanity. Wow. I can't even. (laughs) So is is he arguing that it's the fighting that makes the game bad? She. She is arguing that games, our brains can't separate real-life conflict from board game conflict. So when we're in a board game, we feel, our brains feel like we have to fight with the people that we're playing games with. So this is actually 
from Don Vaughn, a postdoctoral scholar uh, who she did an interview with about how our brains make us all terrible humans while we play board games. And I want to be like, have any of you gone to a gaming convention and like seen how many people really have fun, experience pleasant times and enjoy this hobby? <laughs> I mean, the murder rate is only 10% or so at board game conventions. And that's pretty low when you consider that's for the big ones. <laughs> <Not> yeah. <laughs> Game to hole con, it's much lower. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, the picture for this article is a Canadian family playing chess. So I think I'd want to be angry too. <laughs> I know. The Canadian family, I... you could tell because of the maple leaf pillow on, and the snow. Because of the, the maple leaf pillow. <laughs> they're all wearing hats indoors and there's they're snow. They're all wearing plaid. <laughs> yeah, and flannel. <laughs> and it's snow outside. Um. So our Canadian listeners, we are not making fun of Canada. We're making fun of this stereotypical... The stock photo. Yeah. So also one person is drinking beer and I'm sure the rest of them are actually drinking syrup. <laughs> <laughs> Link in the show notes. 